that's cool, Tracy. So I think we both came into it through the back door. <laughs> in a roundabout way. Tracy, we came at it in a came, roundabout yes, way. We did, didn't we? Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Medlips Miscellany. I'm Tracy Shields. I'm Carrie Price. And today we're going to be talking about how we became medical librarians. I think it's really interesting because I don't know of anybody that has gone directly from undergrad to graduate school to being a medical librarian. Do you? I can't recall anybody I know in the field. And I think that's pretty typical for the kind of indirect path is pretty typical for the librarian world in general. It seems like most mm-hmm. people don't kind of go straight into being a librarian. And if you are one of those people that did do that, I'd love to hear your story. Like what made you decide early on to be a librarian? Because I think most mm-hmm. of us probably come to it from another direction and have done other things first and eventually kind of find themselves in library land. It wasn't until my early 30s that I started working as a medical librarian. How about you? Yeah, I, when did I go to, I kind of have, let me do the math (laughs) in my head. Um, Yeah, I, I went, I graduated from grad school, library school, 10 years after I had gotten my undergrad degree. So yeah, it was about early 30s when I started Me too. being a medical librarian. And even becoming a medical librarian, I what, didn't go directly to a library, but we'll get more into that later. So how did, how did you end up becoming, discovering medical librarianship and deciding to be a librarian? Yeah, I I like this question because I think, like we said, everybody comes into it uniquely, and I feel like I definitely came into it uniquely. I graduated from college around 2000. I was a music ed major, and uh, I didn't really want to do that, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was just sticking it out. When I was like a junior in college, I hurt my back, and I ended up going to physical therapy, and the wonderful physical therapist there hired me on to be a physical therapy technician. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so they are the people who, and bless their hearts, they let me help with more than just folding towels. I really help people <laughs> with exercises, and I, I just remember doing so much. So for about three years... I was a physical therapy technician in an orthopedic clinic attached to a hospital, and I really liked the vibe. And if I had been less dense at the time or thought things through, I think I probably would have become a physical therapist. But I remember thinking at the time that it was already too late, so, which is so silly because it wasn't too late at all. I don't think it's ever too late. And as somebody who has had multiple injuries that has required physical therapy afterwards. I have such deep respect for physical therapists because that's a strenuous job. Yeah. that's a, There's a lot going on there. It was really fun helping people with their exercises, and then I would, uh, you know, get them set up to have the e-stem, which everybody loves. Of course, I didn't touch the e-stem machines, but I remember almost every patient and thinking what a cool job that was. So then... When I graduated, I stopped working at the clinic, and I had to get a real job. I had to work a full-time job, and I ended up in development, which is fundraising, and I'm sorry to say that I'm really not very good at that, 
because mm -hmm. you have to be a total extrovert and you have to raise money and it's a thankless task i think yeah i don't think i don't think i could do that at all i look back at this story and i think there are things i've learned along the way so even working in fundraising for what like six or seven years I'm still really grateful for that because I learned so much. And uh, my first job was at a private school. So I was working at a private school doing the annual fund, which is like their annual expenses. And I had one of the best bosses I'll ever have. She was an amazing boss. And you never realize you have an amazing boss until you don't have them anymore, I think. Right. So I, th I th think about her a lot. And then I moved on to working for an animal shelter, raising money for kitties and puppies. And that was fun. But I just didn't feel like I was doing what I could really do in this world. So at that point, around 2008, I decided to go to library school. So had you worked in a library before? Or did you just kind of look around and you're like, I could be a librarian? Yeah, I can't remember what motivated me to do that because... In high school, I think I worked for like a couple months as a library page at my local library. Mm -hmm. And I remember our next door neighbor was one of the public librarians in my town. And I thought she was so cool because she was like this single older lady. And she just seemed really super cool. And I've always liked to read, but that's not the reason people go to library school. You don't say, I love books. I'm going to go to library school. <laughs> um, what? So you don't I, read all day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think I was just like, okay, I need a master's degree that's going to help me get a job that I can do. And I, I don't think I had a lot of confidence in myself for actually getting in. I went to University of Maryland before it was called the iSchool and before any of it was online. And I remember getting the acceptance email and just getting a little tear in my eye because I was like, what? Like, I, didn't, I really didn't think I was going to get in. And then after I got accepted into library school, I said to myself, well, I got it get a job in a library. And I applied at Hopkins and started working in Cirque and Reserve. So the next four or five, six years, maybe, I don't know, four years, I worked in Cirque and Reserve. I felt like that gave me a really solid base for understanding what goes on in the library. Did you have a lot of interaction with patrons or were you kind of behind the scenes? So much. In tech services? Both really, half and half, but I had so much exposure to the front desk and I felt like, I just waved everybody's fines basically because I didn't think they should have fines. And <laughs> the coolest thing I ever found in a library book was 1,100 euros. Really? But I tracked down the person and gave them back their euros, but I was like, oh my, somebody's using euros for a bookmark. Wow. It was fun. And so I finished library school. Actually, I should say there was one more event that led me into health sciences. So it wasn't completely arbitrary. And that was that in 2008, my mom got diagnosed with appendix cancer, which is this really rare, ambiguous, kind of hard to treat cancer, considered a rare disease. And it turns out that one of the specialists for this cancer and the surgery was in Baltimore, Maryland at Mercy Medical Center. And she had what's called high PEC heated intraperitoneal chemotherapy with cytoreduction, but the surgeons just called it MOAS, mother of all surgeries. Oh, wow. She was in the hospital for two weeks, and my dad and I kind of traded off staying with her during those two weeks, and I was like, this is weird, but I really like the environment of the hospital. I like the hustle and bustle, the elevators going up and down, the people in the cafeteria, the doctors, the staff, the nurses. It was just like 
I was really drawn to this environment. And this was in my first year of library school, so it made me say, hmm, I'm really interested in the way people, you know, take care of their health or seek health information. And the internet was still sort of evolving. It's ever evolving, I guess. So I started taking consumer health information classes in my program as electives because I thought it was all very interesting. Oh, that's really cool. So like just being exposed to the medical environment and you'd already been exposed as, with the PT stuff, but seeing it in the hospital environment and a little bit different and having that personal angle yeah, kind of made you discover that that was an option. For sure. You said you took like consumer health classes. Did you take like other, other courses that were specific to medical librarianship? No, I don't remember that there were any at the time. I, I know that some schools do have a health sciences major or focused, but mine didn't, at least mm-hmm. I don't recall. So I just took a couple consumer health, Medline Plus and stats on the web and the way that people look for things. So did you, once you kind of discovered that, did you want to go straight into a medical library after grad school? Was that the plan? So I don't think I was super aware of all the opportunities that await librarians when they get out of school, because I was thinking I would be, oh, I'll be a government librarian, I'll be a law librarian, or I'll just be a public librarian. I don't mean just, I'll be a public librarian. Uh, right. Which they have some of the considerably more difficult jobs dealing with all of that. Anyway, that's a different story. And I didn't think about it anymore. I just thought it would be nice to work in health sciences and didn't even make the connection. And then I graduated in December 2010 and I just started applying for jobs, applying for jobs, applying for jobs and not doing a very good job of it either. And actually, I know some people who went to library school and never got a job in libraries despite years of trying. So Mm -hmm. I do feel really fortunate. Well, I was at an all-staff meeting for my university, and I physically bumped into this woman in the restroom, and I said, she was like, oh, excuse me. She had a very, she had, she was quirky. (laughs) And I said, oh, you're the librarian at Bayview. And she said, no, dear, I'm the head of the Welch Medical Library and we have an opening and you should apply. Like, I just remember some sort of weird conversation like that. Bumped into her, got her confused for somebody else, told her I was just out of library school and she was like, well, we're going to have some openings. So I did apply. It took, you know, in academia, it takes a very long time to get anywhere. So I, I waited months and months, but I did put in an application and and let them know that I had a physical therapy background and met some of the people over time. And then in 2012, got the job at Welch. So it was really my first librarianship job. And I loved it from day one. And I can tell you, I had some of the best mentors in the field, I think. So I'm grateful for them. And I can also tell you that the first search I ever had was on traumatic brain injury in pig. That was the first oh, wow. search I ever had. And that is what I've been doing since 2012, although I have changed jobs since then. And vocational awe aside, I like this job because I feel like every day I get a, I get a puzzle and I get to put the puzzle together and then put it back and then start again the next day. Mm-hmm. So it's very stimulating. <laughs> That's a great way to describe it because I never really thought of it that way, but it is. You, you kind of pull the puzzle out, you put it together, and then you take it apart and shake it up and... and see what comes out next time yeah it's a different puzzle every day I think it's really interesting and then in some ways I've made full circles so here here Mm -hmm. are my two stories and 
and how I've made full circles, and then I want to hear about you. So before I was born, I was a high-risk baby, and the amniocentesis test had just come out. And my mom had to go to Johns Hopkins to get this test to make sure that I was ready to be born. So then the fact that as an adult, I kind of came back full circle to these halls of medicine, I always thought was pretty cool. That's really cool. It was because of that test that I was born okay, you know? And I, I don't know much about the amniocentesis, except I, I think it tells I, you when your I, baby's I, ready. <laughs> I, I'm really tempted to Google it because I'm like, crap, what does it tell? Like, I think it's, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to look it yeah. up. <laughs> we'll look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. And then with the job I'm at now, it's where I went to school. You know, everybody has some sort of defining college experience. So to kind of come back to that, I feel like I've made a lot of full circles in life. So I'm excited to see what the future holds. But I also, I kind of look back on my story with awe. Like, oh, how did I do it? I don't know. But here I am. Well, thank you for sharing. That's that's a really... That's a really neat story. And like just kind of literally bumping into somebody. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're a librarian. Yeah. In the library. I'm, I'm pretty um, thankful that she gave me a chance, but I'm glad that they gave me a chance. It was special. Tracy, how about you? We'd like to hear how you became a medical librarian on this circuitous path of life. Yeah. So for me, there were, there were multiple stops along the way and Kind of similar to your story, there was one kind of mm-hmm. brief conversation that changed the course. So I, as an undergrad, studied biology. I had planned to go to medical school. Ever since I was very little, I wanted mm-hmm. to be a doctor. And there's family lore that I used to tell people when people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I would say, I'm going to work at the CDC. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I knew about the CDC or what I thought the CDC did, but I thought, hey, I'm going to work at the CDC. (laughs) As an undergrad, I studied biology, was pre-med, did all the things, Mm -hmm. and had encountered, you know, just... What I now, in in hindsight, know know is burnout with a nice episode of major depression on top. So that um, I decided to take a year off before doing anything after grads uh, after undergrad. Mm-hmm. So in taking that time off, I thought, well, I'll get a job. I'll figure out what I want to do, and I started working for um, my dermatologist. I was in her office one day and she was like, oh, your graduation's coming up. What's your next plan? I was like, I don't really know. I just, I think I need to take a year off and kind of figure it out. And she goes, I thought you were pre-med. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if I really want to do that or not. She goes, well, come work at, be my medical assistant. And, you know, I'm going into private Aww. practice. You can come be my medical assistant and decide if you, you know, want to be a doctor. And I'm like, Okay, that sounds cool. So I started working with, she opened up a private practice with, as a dermatologist with a plastic surgeon, and I became their, their medical assistant. And so I saw, you know, in the clinic, seeing patients every day, got that aspect of healthcare. And I realized that as much as I, I liked doing it, I didn't want to be the doctor. Like I interlike, I liked interacting with the patients, but I didn't want the responsibility of being the doctor. I was trying to figure out like, <laughs> I see. all right, if I'm not the doctor, then what do I do? Like, cause for my whole life I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And now I'm like, I don't know if I want to be yeah. a doctor. So I kind of thought around, I was like, well, do I want to be a nurse? Do I still want to provide mm-hmm. patient care? And then I was like, I think I just like th- all the things surrounding medicine 
and not necessarily the act of providing care in that way. I was kind of at a loss. I didn't know what to do. And I had an opportunity kind of on a whim. I saw a job posting, um, a temporary contract job to be an editorial assistant for a medical textbook. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I'll try that. So I started, I did that. And you talked about having like the best boss you've ever had. My boss there was amazing. And um, it was for Goodman and Gilman's The Pharmacological Basis of Therapeutics, the the 10th edition. And so it's, it's, I think it's now in the 13th edition. So this was a while ago. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And again, I just had my undergrad degree. I didn't have anything else. And I was working on this medical textbook and the editors was, was a recently retired pharmacology professor. And he was just really nice. And he was, you know, often telling me stories about working in the lab and doing all these cool things. And so I thought, well, you know, I I really like the editorial stuff, but you know, there, this is, I I was living in Nashville at the time. I was like, there's not a whole lot happening. And, you know, all the editorial stuff seems to happen out of New York. And I don't know if I really want to move to New York. You know, I I really do like this. And he's like, well, you know, and I was telling him this one day, he's like, well, if you're not sure what you want to do just yet, he said, a colleague of mine is going to retire in a couple of years, but he still, you know, has his lab going and he needs one of his his last grad student just graduated and he needs some help. Why don't you do that? And I was like, he goes, you can figure out if you want to do research. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So I got a job in this pharmacology lab and it was fantastic because there was no pressure to publish. There were no grad students. He, like I said, he had just graduated his last student and he was nearing, he was coasting to retirement and he, he just really enjoyed, Dr. Wells just really enjoyed mentoring and he was finishing up his, his last papers sort of thing. And so I was working there. I was doing a lot of bench work and pipetting things. And, you know, and I enjoyed it because, you know, I'd done that as an undergrad and it was getting a lot out of it. And one day he's like, I, you know, I need you to run over to the library and gets, gets a couple of these papers for me. I was like, okay. So he sends me over to the science and engineering library and I realized what he wants wasn't there. So I had to go to the biomedical library to get it. And this was, gosh, this was late nineties. And so I was photocopying things and I came back and gave him the articles and I said, oh, by the way, while I was photocopying this one, I saw this similar one and I just went ahead and got it for you. And he was like, oh, okay. So he was, you know, writing his papers and he would have me read his papers because I'd worked... (laughs) and editorial stuff. So he's like, Hey, can you double check that I've got this citation right? And it's the right formatting for this journal. So it's my grammar. Okay. So that, that experience, I was helping him write this paper and he kept sending me over to the library to get other papers for him. And he offhanded one day said, are you okay with me sending you to the library all the time? And I'm like, yeah, I like doing it. And he's like, Oh good. Because it's like having my own personal librarian. And at the time I was like, oh, 
Yeah, you know, I do like being over in the library and, and finding these things. And, you know, at that point, he was having me do literature searches for him. I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. You know, he had kind of just talked me through stuff. He's like, here's this thing called PubMed, and you can look things up. And had been messing around doing lit searches for him. I was spending all my time in the library. And when he said that, I was like, oh, you know, that might be a good idea. So I kind of had this, I kind of got myself to a crossroads where he was nearing, he was like finishing up and retiring. And I had about nine months left before his retirement. And I was looking at grad school and everybody was like, just apply, apply here at Vanderbilt Pharmacology. You're, you're, you're in, you're solid. You've got two of the former department heads writing, writing your recommendations and stuff. I mean, you're golden. And here I'm seeing, doing some things and I'm like, but I really like looking at those articles and, and getting that stuff. And so in typical fashion, like in, again, hindsight, I should have figured this out. I started researching what it took to be a librarian. And I realized good in two years have a master's degree. And if I wanted, I could always go on to get a master's or PhD in pharmacology after that. But if I did the reverse, it would be a lot longer. So I decided I was just going to go to grad school and be a librarian. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so I applied. I got in state at University of Tennessee and decided I would move away from Nashville for a couple of years and go to classes on campus. And they also had remote, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to do remote because I'm originally from outside that area. So I thought I'll move home for a couple of years and go to grad school and see what happens. And after that, even, even when I was in grad school, I knew that I wanted to do like science or medical related library stuff. But they didn't really have any specialization for that. I just picked my classes and talked to my supervisor and things like that about what I, what I should take and what I should do. And they knew people that did internships with Oak Ridge National Labs, which was nearby. And so there was a lot of potential opportunities, even if there wasn't class formal classwork, um, but I could do my project, my special projects, and take seminars and stuff, things like that, that would kind of give me a little bit of that background and experience. So I finished up that, and I had, at that point, had never worked in a library. I had only just mm -hmm. gone to the library as the patron, right? And mm -hmm. used library stuff. And I still didn't even know if I wanted to be in a library. And I had started applying, finishing out the program. I started applying to all these jobs everywhere because I was willing to move. And like you said, you know, all these academic programs just take forever to go through the hiring process. And so I started like a year ahead of time and was applying to positions as a science librarian, as a medical librarian, you know, doing with nursing, you know, anything that was kind of related to medicine or science in any way, I was applying to those jobs and nothing was really happening. And I saw a job posting for a medical editor for a medical publication. Oh, wow. And I thought, well, maybe I should just apply to that and 
see what happens. And I did. And they were like instantly like, oh, we definitely want a librarian because all of our medical editors have been librarians and they do their own research and they write their own stuff. And I was like, okay. And they're like, can you move to New York? And I was like, I, I guess. And they're like, can you move in the next month? Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, I guess. <laughs> so it was the fastest thing ever. Like within, um, within two months, I had this job and was moving to New York to be a medical editor again. So yeah. So mm-hmm. it was like, here I plan to go into medicine and be a medical librarian or some kind of science, health sciences librarian. And I'm not even trying to be a librarian yet right out of school. And so I, I took that job in New York and it was really great experience. I enjoyed it oh, wow. so much. And Like city? I lived just north of the city in the suburbs. I lived in oh, Westchester wow. County. Okay, but yeah, it yeah. was, you know, a quick train ride into the city if I wanted to go. And, you know, oh. it was it was kind of funny because here I thought before grad school, I was like, well, I don't really want to move to New York and, and be editor, you know, editorial things. And next thing I know, I go to grad school and I still find myself in New York doing editorial things. Oh my, I don't think I knew that about you. It worked out really well, but I was feeling kind of, I guess, homesick. And, (laughs) and I started thinking, well, I I probably should do something in a library just to make sure I don't want to be a librarian. And Mm -hmm. at that time, Eskin Biomedical Library at Vanderbilt had an internship that they did for new librarians. And I thought that was going to be my only real chance to kind of be in a library since I didn't have library experience. And their program was such at the time that they took people that didn't have library experience or even a library degree. Like if you had a PhD and just wanted Mm. to learn library things, you could do that. So I moved back to Nashville and started doing that. And never kind of left library land. And it really just, it all clicked. Like everything clicked from my experience working with patients to working with researchers and doing bench research to the writing part of it. All of those things kind of braided together to really work as a librarian, a medical librarian for me. And so once, you know, once I kind of discovered searching as a, as a career, it just, Mm -hmm. it made sense. Like all the pieces fit together. Yeah. That's so cool. What a story. Yeah. So I kind of jumped across multiple things, but they all kind of led to the same place. And a lot of epiphanies. Yeah. And you know, the, the kind of side comments of, Hey, you should be, you're like having my own personal librarian and you sure do like to spend a lot of time at the library. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. how did I not really think of this before? But yeah, yeah. But you know, working in publishing, I know I knew a lot about copyright. I know a lot about the journal publication process. I mean, yeah, you can learn those things, but seeing it from the other side has been really interesting in, provided a lot of context for what I do and the work that we 
that we do. Mm-hmm. And that's a unique perspective that I think a lot of us don't yeah. have. And so eventually I did end up getting library experience, but up until two years after, like I graduated from library school in 2005 and it wasn't until 2007 when I joined Vanderbilt's Eskin Library that I even did anything in physically in a library as a job. True. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And so in Eskin, did you have a lot of FaceTime with library users and researchers? To some extent, it wasn't, we would have desk hours. And so I got a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. What I ended up doing more than that was a lot of the online email support and things like that. And I would do a lot of on call where if our library techs couldn't handle a question at the reference desk that the librarian on call would, Mm -hmm. would take care of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I also got into clinical rounding and got into some of, because of having the experience of working directly in patient care, it kind of made sense for me to do clinical rounding because I'd been in a clinical environment mm-hmm. before, you know, and so I worked in a couple of departments, but really kind of stuck mostly with the cardiovascular intensive care unit. Mm-hmm. That's some tough and work. That's tough. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You see, you see a lot of things there. And right. um, I was kind of back up for some pediatric rounding. Mm-hmm. And then I left there to come to my current position. And in my current position, I kind of have, it's a small library. And so I do a lot of, a lot of different things, including like clinical rounding. I round now with pediatrics and do a little bit of wow. everything and provide literature search support and training and you name it, kind of do it. A little it. bit of everything. Yeah. I think... I think that's the nice part of this job is a little bit of everything. So if you get tired with one thing, mm-hmm. you can focus on another thing. And if you get burned out, you can try something else, <laughs> I guess. Right. Like if I if I'm working on a search and it's just not clicking or I need to take a break because it's a topic that is just mm-hmm. not very fun to work with. Now I can start working on collection development things and start adding books to our database for purchasing mm-hmm. or go spend some time at the circulation desk or whatever it might be. There's mm-hmm. always something to do. And, you know, even if I want to go, my, my boss and I kind of joke that we need to go sling books and get out our frustration. And that's just, you know, shifting the collection or doing some weeding or whatever it is just to mm-hmm. take a break, right? Yeah, I can relate to that. When I worked at the animal shelter, my office was in a building adjacent to the kitties and the puppies. So when I needed to take a break, mm-hmm. I would go visit the kitties. Mostly kitties. I'm a cat person. I'm sorry, dog people. I'm sorry, Boone. But, uh, yeah, so I would go visit them. And, like, people think it's really sad, but it was a really nice animal shelter to work at. So it didn't feel very sad at the time. And I did get two very special kitties out of the deal. But then when I changed jobs and I'm like, okay, I need a break. Like, I can't go look at the kitties anymore. What am I going to do? Oh, so I ended up spending a lot of time in the peas. You know what I mean by the peas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just spent a lot of time in, at that floor. At that library, it was the basement floor had all the peas, which is, I think, fiction. Oh, my God, I'm going to out myself here. <laughs> uh, so I spent a lot of time there, and I did read a lot of books at that time because it was pre-smartphone, and I just remember that was my break. I, met, I went from cats to books. <laughs> <laughs> so trophy. Well, we are librarians. I mean, 
the stereotypes come from somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. And then actually, once I started working, one of my friends, Katie, who we'll meet probably in a later episode, she's like, you got to learn to knit. I was like, knit? I'm not, I don't knit. But guess who knits now? <laughs> yeah. So that's how I learned how to knit is one of my, <laughs> one of my coworkers at the library had learned how to knit. And she was like, Hey, do you want to learn how to knit? I'm like, sure. So there was a group of us <laughs> that um, met, and she taught us how to knit. Wow. So, yeah, I learned to knit from one of the library techs. She's now a librarian. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah I don't. It's not a prereq, but it's... No, and I don't have a cat, but I did at one point. I just don't have one right now. Well, I hope Boone's not I just have Boone. I, I do like dogs. I like border collies. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some dogs, some special dogs. That's cool, Tracy. So I think we both came into it. Through the back door. <laughs> in a roundabout way. Tracy, we came at it in a roundabout came, yes, way. We did, didn't we? And actually, some of your story made me think, too, that when my mother was in the hospital and I would go down to get coffee in the mornings, right next to the coffee was the medical library. And it was just this little room. It was all, you know, volumes of bound journals. And I never saw anybody in there, but it was a glass door and a glass front. And I would go peek in and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, is that a thing? There's a medical library here? <laughs> and I think that might have helped me to think about it, too. But, yeah, isn't it cool? Yeah. So do you think your the background in the kind of circuitous way you came to medical librarianship has made you a good <laughs> med libs? Huh. Well, one of the things I think I bring to this profession, which is, like, such a silly thing to say, but... I really like words, and I really like spelling mm -hmm. and language, and I think that's been important for the searching that I do to understand the etiology of words. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's been useful. And then just having a lot of interest. Like, I haven't stopped learning. I didn't necessarily have the background when I came into it, but I've continued to pursue things in research design and public health and statistics, as people who follow me on Twitter know, I passed EpiStats just a couple days ago. Woo! Yeah, that wasn't, the, that wasn't very fun, but I did it. But it does feel like lifelong learning, and I definitely don't get bored. And I can say that at other jobs in other fields, I got bored. I don't mm -hmm. get bored now. How about you? Yeah, very similar in that. This has allowed me to have a lot of varied interests. And what I find so fascinating is how, like, all the little things that I've picked up along the way and kind of the, the, the side routes have all still become useful, right? Mm -hmm. It's interacting with patients and being comfortable in the clinical environment. It's doing the research and being around researchers and kind of knowing what they're like and being able to speak their language or mm -hmm. understand when they're what they're talking about things and having a lot of personal interests and curiosity and that lifelong learning that has really informed how I can do my job one of my favorite reference questions was somebody asking about an article that they read one time and it was they didn't know what where they read it but it was something about somebody scratching their scalp down to their their skull mm. and I was like oh that's the New Yorker article 
the, oh, really? the itch one and they're like, how did you know that? I was like, I read it. It's oh, wild, man. you know? So just, you know, the, the things that you encounter outside of work that can inform work and make you a better librarian. Yeah, for sure. Which now I guess I'm going to have to dig that up and find the article and share it in show notes. Yeah, but I don't know that one. Yeah, it's it's some like uh, persistence itch. And so they kept scratching the top of their head like and caused a, a wound that would not heal and mm-hmm. eventually got down to the their skull. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Things you don't want. I remember reading these big stories in the Washington Post when I was a kid because I grew up around that area. One was about Morgellons disease. I think it's Morgellons mm-hmm. where you think you have worms coming out of your skin. Yeah. So I knew about that because back when I worked for the dermatologist, she actually had me go like look it up and try to research it. Like even back then, I was, you know, being the minion of all of these people I was going and doing the research for them. Wow. But Sheesh. dermatology, man, that's yeah. that's an interesting field. Yeah, there's not much that grosses me out, but I think dermatology might gross. I I think the only thing that really grosses me out is ocular trauma. I things are, are kind of where I have to start drawing the line. I have very high tolerance for yeah. a lot of things and I'm I can't believe I'm about to admit this story, but one of my when I moved to to Vanderbilt's library and took that job, another librarian started the same day as me, and um, her background was music. Mm. And she had she had planned to be like an opera singer, and she ended up like somehow going, you know, like the rest of us, not directly going into what wow. she planned, but ended up in library land. And the second or third day of work, she asked me. She goes, "Do you?" did you get into this because you like weird and gross things? And I was like, well, I don't think so, but I mean, that probably doesn't hurt <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I'm okay with weird yeah. and gross things. And I'm like, why do you ask? She's like, have you ever heard of bot flies? And I was like, bot flies? Yes, actually I have. Oh, bot. She's like, yeah, bot flies. They're flies that will bite you and infect you with these, their larvae. And mm-hmm. it like incubates in your skin and you, it like crawls out of your skin and, you know, there's like bot fly larva mm-hmm. that erupts out of your skin. It's absolutely gross. <laughs> but I knew about it because yeah. of working for the dermatologist because you see weird things like that. When I was getting to know my medical library coworkers, we were all like, well, you really can't gross us out. You know, like, there's not much you can do to gross us out. Although I have to admit, I have, I had to look it up to make sure I was saying it right. <gasps> is that where fear yes. of little holes, which is why I probably don't like the dermatology stuff. But whenever you show me pictures of like a lotus flower, or like little holes, I'm just like, Oh, gross. Close up of pores. Oh, no, can't handle it. I can't take like Dr. Pimple Popper or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Again, I guess because of working for a dermatologist and seeing that up close and personal, I kind of uh, developed a tolerance for it. And so I'm kind of mm. like fascinated by pimple popping videos and things Ugh. like that. More bot, fly, bot fly videos are similar to that. I- I'm not going to look that But up. grosser. No, yeah, don't. <laughs> 
Maybe well, I'll put it in show notes, but I'll put it with warning so people don't necessarily yeah. click on it without, yeah. without knowing what they're getting into. If you're a medical librarian and listening to our podcast, what grosses you out? We'd like to know. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot of potential things. Now that you've been a medical librarian, with all the ways that you got there, would you, in hindsight, still want to be a medical librarian, or do you kind of wish you would have jumped onto another path? It's hard to imagine another path at this point for me, and I don't even know how I got here in the first place, but it seems to fit me well. For the time being, I'm quite happy with the profession and intend to stay in it, and I'm always kind of mind-boggled at how I ended up here, but like I said earlier, grateful too, because there's been a lot of people who played a role in mentoring me or hiring me or giving me a chance, so I think about that a lot. How about you? Mm -hmm. Similar. I can't imagine doing something else because how much I enjoy what I do, Mm -hmm. but I could see where I could have taken a different path. Yeah, for sure. You had a couple of different options. Yeah, but I really, I mean, it scratches all my itches. Yeah, it does. It, you know, all the things that I enjoyed about the various things I did in the past, all kind of mesh. Oh, gosh, that's a horrible pun. That's not what mesh. I meant. Mesh it together. I'll kind of come together in in what I do as a reference medical librarian. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a good fit for me. Oh, I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being a medical librarian prior to digitization of databases and records? My former boss retired. She retired a few years or a few years ago, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, she retired. She has told me stories of what it was like back in the day. And that's kind of how I know the most about like index medicus and I was gonna say. and things like that. And like her stories of what it was like to actually go to the National Library of Medicine and do a class on Medline and searching for that and how they had like folders of key articles in various fields so they wouldn't have to look them up constantly, but knew that those mm-hmm. were the things that people asked the most. Like having all that stuff is just kind of right. kind of mind blowing to me because it's so much of what we do now is instant. It is. And like having to take the time and I I mean I did it when I was minion for all these other people of like literally going to the library into the stacks and pulling the bound journals and seeing seeing the actual article and Mm -hmm. making copies of it. And I mean, we still do that, but it's kind of usually ILL and kind of behind the scenes. And most people don't get hands on like that. And I, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it would be like to have to literally flip through books to find things and not have, PubMed online it and would be tough. command. I, I mean, I remember doing the dialogue command line searching as part of my classes in grad school. Yeah, me too, a little bit. But like, if you had to do that as a hundred percent of your job, I just yeah, and those cost money. I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, right? so you you had to get it right. You had to depending on the database, it could be. Mm-hmm. By the minute or by the search or however right. it was broken down. Somebody told me on Twitter how they used to build the searches 
on, you know, by hand first and then go use them to search. Instead of like iteratively mm-hmm. searching, they would build it all first and then go search because it costs them money. I just can't. Ugh. Right. That would have been hard. Yeah, I remember doing that in that one class and it was so hard because you had to do so much of the work and you didn't even know if you, right. if it would work. Right, if you had a mistake. You know, and you'd have to just... Dis- <laughs> well, we've come a long way, baby. Definitely. I do appreciate that I can be iterative in my searches. and Yeah. There is a bit of instant gratification built into searching PubMed these days, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Tracy, what's our next episode going to be about? I have thoughts. I have all kinds of thoughts. Okay. We could talk to new medical librarians. I'd love that. I mean, we've been, both been in this for a while now. But to talk to some new people, new, fresh to the field, and see what their experience has been. Or we could talk about, I think, something we both kind of touched on here, but didn't outright name, and that is imposter syndrome. I was going to ask that question. Do I have imposter syndrome if I'm just an imposter? How do you know if you're an imposter? (laughs) Is that something you decide, or is something that's decided for you? I guess I'm going to have to read some evidence. Yeah. We could also probably do an episode on vocational awe because there's a lot of good conversations to be had about that. And I mean, and I think that's how we both kind of ended up doing this and entering this field is we have varied interests and there's a lot of things that we find interesting and want to talk about or discuss. So, yeah. Keeps me up at night. Well, should we tell people how to contact us? Sure. You can, if you want to contact us, you can email us at medlibsmiscellany at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at medlibs underscore M-I-S-C. Or I am TC Shields on Twitter. I'm Carrie Price 78 We'll probably be, hopefully, in the near future, if I can ever get my things together and have a website other than the Substack. But we're also on Substack, too, at medlibsmiscellany.substack.com. I like it. I like it. Tracy, it's been fun chatting with you, and I learned so much about you that I didn't know yet. Yeah, same. Same. I'm going to have to start picking your brains about physical therapy stuff. I tell everybody to do their core exercises. If your back hurts, core exercises. (laughs) Knee hurts, core exercises. And one more thing before we go. We'd like to thank Jen Monin for being this episode's transcriptionist, as well as episodes one and two. Thanks, Jen. That really means a lot. Well, we'll see you next time. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Medlib's Miscellany. Bye. Bye. Bye.